Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the Peaceful Pet Music, Call Music for Pets YouTube channel. What unique challenges is your business faced with? Your business is shaped and molded based off of your personal preferences, your abilities, your knowledge, and how you want to do things. It's also shaped based off of where our business is located. For Natalie Spedden, owner of Land Pet Sitting, that challenge is how to staff and run a business in a college town, a place where the entire economy is based off of the fact that there's a huge university in the area. Today, Natalie walks us through how sometimes we have to face the fact that we're looking at something through rose-colored glasses and the changes that need to be made, the challenges that she faces in a college town, and how she is growing and building a dynamic and professional team. Let's get started. Thank you, Colin. So um, my name's Natalie, and I'm the owner of Aggieland Pet Sitting here in Bryan College Station. Um, I've had a passion for animals since I could remember, um, you know, as a lot of people would say in our profession. Um, my great-grandmother owned a dog grooming salon, so I would spend a lot of time up there as a kid. Um, and out of my sister and I, I was definitely the one that was more interested in all things animals and pets. And um, it's kind of where where my love for animals first started. Um, we weren't able to have uh, dogs or cats really growing up just with my parents working all the time and us being in school. But I had a parakeet um, as for most of my childhood. And that was kind of my first experience taking care of a pet. Um, so, and then I just, from then on out, I was kind of just one of those little kids that always just wanted to be a vet and help and save animals in some way. And so, um, yeah, I founded Aguiland Pet Sitting in 2021. Um, although I had been a hobby sitter since 2016 or so. Um, so our company focuses on providing pet sitting and dog walking services to Bryan and College Station, Texas. Um, they are neighboring towns, but everyone just sort of lumps them together as one kind of mega city, if you will. Uh, we have about a 20 mile radius all around um, for our service area. Um, and I will say that most of our visits are vacation visits um, with our clients. However, we're kind of starting to try and expand into focusing on more daily and weekly dog walking services. I had been working in vet clinics in high school and then um, throughout college. So I wasn't doing much pet sitting until I moved to College Station in 2016 to go to school. So um, I pretty much continued working in vet clinics all through college and I was a vet tech. I did, I worked in, you know, boarding areas, um, uh, the actual hospital side. And then also I was a client services representative for a vet clinic. So I've kind of had my hands in all of that because as I mentioned, that was originally what I wanted to do, um, was to be a veterinarian. So I was like, well, I need to, you know, kind of dabble in everything and see, you know, kind of how that would be one day for me. So, um, basically I, um, started getting clients through Rover and then also, um, clients that were going to the vet clinics that I worked at. So they would, um, our vets would refer, you know, oh, Natalie does some pet sitting, you know, if you, you know, want her to come by and check on your pets, you know, she would love to do that. She, you know, has some experience doing that. Um, so then 
from there on, I just had a lot of clients through word of mouth, um, contact me. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of how I first got started pet sitting on the side. Um, and then, so vet school at Texas A&M here is very competitive. And so I had a great experience through my high school's FFA chapter and then working in vet clinics. Um, and then of course, pet sitting on the side. However, the one thing I really struggled with was having the the GPA that vet schools wanted to see from, you know, people applying to their four-year program. So when I graduated in 2020, I thought about getting my master's to kind of help raise my GPA and then apply for vet school because I just knew if I applied right out of college, it would be really tough. A lot of people don't get in on their first time. Um, So then I got declined from master's program. So I was like, dang, like, what do I do now? Like I was feeling discouraged. I, I also didn't know if, you know, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I was kind of going back and forth on that once I had had some time to reflect on not being admitted to my master's and all of that. Um, so, um, in 2021, early 2021, I was working for my friend's moped rental business here in call station, just part-time, like kind of throughout the the pandemic. Um, and so I basically just made the decision to try to go full time with pet sitting. I know it was, it was something I loved and really enjoyed doing. And I just kind of wanted to see what happened. Hmm. There's a, there's, there's a lot in there, Natalie, uh, <laughs> of, of basically only trying to find that path forward. Um, and, and, you know, to know that you started off with this one direction, but we're really able to, to pivot and go somewhere else. You know, my, I, I, I was never interested in vet school. I know my mom was, um, and, and the canonical story is, um, she had signed up for classes and she was, she was trying to get into vet school and, um, she knew that that was her path that she wanted to go on the first day of her, of classes at college, um, on her trajectory to go to vet school, she couldn't find the class to go to like science or whatever. And she was like, well, that's my sign. I don't, this isn't what I want to do. (laughs) 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 So you kind of take those, take take those, take those signs. So, you know, but, but really now, you know, that was a, a, a dream that you had. So what was it like, you know, coming to terms with the fact that well, that dream's not for me right now. Um, but I have this other dream, um, of, of now doing this business. Yeah. So I, I think for me, what it really was is just the realization of what veterinarians really do have to face on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. and the things that they struggle with that are untalked about, just things that people don't really mention whenever you're, you're growing up and you're going down that path to go to vet school. And and, because to everyone else, it's like, and even to you, it's like, well, you're going to be saving animals, you know, like that's what you're going to be doing. And so, um, as I worked in vet clinics, I realized, you know, the, the hardships also come along with it. You know, you have to sadly let some pets go and make the decisions, um, to tell pet parents, you know, um, what's best for their pets. And they don't always like to hear that. Um, and when I was a client services representative, you know, I really, um, unfortunately had to be the person sometimes to, to tell them and also, um, you know, be that last point of contact when they, when they leave, um, after a pet, you know, has been, um, put down. And so, um, not only that, but it's just extremely long hours. Um, it's, it's a lot of school, it's four years. It's a lot of, um, of 
student debt. And it's something that I feel, I personally feel that somebody needs to really truly want with everything in their heart to do. And that needs to be their calling. And for me, you know, it it was, I had definitely kind of had rose colored glasses on about it. Um, And then once I realized, you know, it wasn't for me specifically, I just knew that I had to do something else. Although I wanted to be with animals, I just wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go. That's really important to know when I'm, when am I looking at something with rose colored glasses versus when I'm just, when am I really excited about something? Cause those are two different things, right? I know I'm sure you wake up really excited about your business and really excited about the clients that you're serving, but you're not looking at them through a, everything's fine. It's perfect. It's, you know, it's perfect today. There are no issues. What issues are you talking about? Oh yeah. And I mean, everybody needs veterinarians. I mean, they do such a great thing for the community and for pets. And, um, I mean, I just have so much respect for them and I just think, yeah, they're, they're amazing. And so, um, for me, it was just, it was something that like I thought I had wanted. And once I was actually in there and, um, really got a feel for, for everything and how it works. And I, and, you know, I loved a lot of the pets and got really attached to them and, you know, loved that aspect, loved working um, in the clinic setting. Cause I really do thrive under pressure and like that constant kind of um, it's just always so busy and there's always a lot of teamwork involved. And like, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and so it, yeah, it was, it was for me, it was just taking um, being kind of, rejected a couple times to really kind of think about what I wanted to do in life and um, for a career. Yeah. And recognizing it's not, it's like, uh, it's one of those moments of, no, I didn't fail at that. I just, I, I, I realized it wasn't for me. And I, I think that simple, that kind of framing really helps us as we go through life because we can look at things that maybe we wanted or thought we wanted, even in running our own businesses of, oh, I think I want to expand to 40 miles, or I think I want to reach, you know, a hundred different employees or whatever and realize, oh, okay, that's, that's not, that doesn't fill me, right? That's not what I actually want now that I've learned more and I've become more familiar. A lot of, a lot of times it really is becoming more familiar with, with who we are at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I think it's important for people to really realize that it's okay to say that this career path's not for me. And it could have been a dream of theirs, like it was for me as a kid and kind of growing up through high school, college, doing the trajectory it takes to go that way. And then kind of just realizing, you know, that you just have to be honest with yourself and it's scary and it's nerve wracking to kind of pivot like that in such a a dramatic way. But I mean, it's definitely been like the best decision I've ever made. So Did, did you ever struggle with the, with the, um, with the comparison game of, of, oh, I could have like, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, or I'm, I'm just to this or anything like that? Well, um, I do know that if I was to go through with going to vet school and being a veterinarian, that there would have been a lot of things that I loved about it and really would have enjoyed and would have brought like me purpose and, um, you know, so on one hand, yes, I can definitely say that I've, I've thought about that, but at the same time, like, um, I just know that the path I've chosen has been just as, if not more fulfilling for me. And I'm just, just very happy with the decisions I've made. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of, of realizing that there's just as much fulfillment, if not more so once you're finally doing what you want to be doing. I, th- I think that's, what's, what's really critical there is to realize, no, this is, this is what I'm doing. And, and, and I'm doing it because I need to be here and I want to be here doing this. 
Yeah, there was such a need for it in this community as well. I mean, there's only one other. Well, actually, we have Fetch Pet Care, which is a franchise pet sitting business. And then we also have uh, my friend Savannah runs her own pet sitting business as well. So Hmm. um, at the time, it was only her, though, when I got started. And so the need was there and I knew it was. And so I pretty much just took my opportunity to kind of you know, start learning what it takes to become a professional. And you, you were describing your, your service area earlier. And I, you know, I, I was spoken like a local who, who, who gets, who gets uh, maybe frustrated with how people just think it's all one thing. And honestly, before I moved to Texas, I thought Bryan College Station was just a really long, awkward name for something. <laughs> so yeah. it was, I, I too was one of those, one of those people. So Natalie, what's, kind of what's, what's you other than the, the confusion about the two, or maybe that's part of it. Kind of what's, what's unique about, about where you're servicing? Yeah, so I would say my service area is unique because College Station and Bryan are primarily college towns. So College Station is home of Texas A&M University, which is where I went to college. Um, And just that school alone has over 75,000 students. And then Bryan has Blend Community College, which is a very popular college for those kind of looking to transfer into A&M. So they will move up to Bryan um, and then go to Blend and then transfer into Texas A&M. And so um, with that, I would say there's a good mix of both college students and families that live here. Um, most of our client base is actually established families that have made their residence here, whether they I do have some that work for the university, but I also have some that don't, some business owners, some that work from home and just moved back here after graduating, um, things like that. They're like alumni. So it's definitely unique because of the, the college really being the central focus point of the town. And I mean, when they have football games here, they like shut down the roads, like around the college. <laughs> it's no joke. Like they are there. They mean business around here when it comes to A&M. It's a different feeling, isn't it, as as a college to have the industry driven by the the economy driven by something that is so seasonal. I mean, um, Megan and I went to um, Texas Tech University, so hopefully there's no hard feelings there. Um, But yeah, we we, um, (laughs) that was a that was a very much college town vibe as well. Of of when there were when the students were in town. The, the, th- the town was thriving and humming and buzzing. And then when there was nobody there, it was just, it was a, a ghost town of oh, yeah. where is everybody? Why do we have so many stoplights? Do we need these lanes? Like it was just, it felt like there was, the town was empty too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it definitely rings true here as well. When it comes to that, I will say that the reason that we are so busy in the summer when, you know, most pet sitting businesses are is because so much of our clientele are families that are, you know, traveling for the summer. But yeah, during the semester, I mean, it's, you know, spring and fall, it's just completely packed here. And there's just so many different age groups and points of life for people like professionals, people in school, you know, retire people like there's, there's, it's such a huge kind of like melting pot here in that way, which is why I love it. 
Yeah, and but it it can make I don't know. Does that make your marketing or your messaging more confusing about how do you target? Because you know we like to think all oh, our services are for a lot of different people. Well, you have like the world has been brought to you as far as cultural diversity, demographic di- diversity. Uh, uh, you said life stage diversity. Like there's so much in that town. How do you manage that marketing and finding the right clientele for you? Yeah, so it can definitely be challenging because we are on the higher end price point for um, pet sitting and dog walking services here. We definitely advertise as more of a top notch kind of the the more like just higher quality um, service. We're also award winning. Um, we have one best pet sitting service in our local magazine 2022 and 2023 um as Ooh. well as being yeah that was amazing <laughs> only being in business for 2 years you know and and being rewarded with that was just absolutely amazing yeah. so um yeah it can it can definitely be challenging um because we really want to market to um you know primarily families of you know that higher kind of income bracket but also um just those that uh, because we do have hospitals here we have um doctors and nurses as clients you know that will utilize our services um but i will say we do have occasionally um college students as clients like phd students master's students um professional school students as well so um, when it comes to marketing, it's it's really just um, trying to set ourselves apart. You know, there are a lot of hobby sitters here with it being a college town. Okay. Um, lots of, you know, lots of people on Rover, advertising services, um, just um, Facebook groups. Um, we uh, Next door, we have a lot of a lot of people in college just trying to um, also compete with us as hobby sitters. From your experience in the town, what's the mix of pet care there? Are people mostly doing boarding and daycares or are they looking for the kind of services that you're offering? So there are multiple boarding options here in town. Um, Not only do we have, I would say, seven or eight really great boarding facilities, a lot of the vet clinics here also do offer boarding as well. Maybe not in the same capacity as a dedicated boarding facility. Um, but we do have a lot of veterinarians that graduated from A&M's vet school that started a vet clinic here. And so that, that along with boarding is definitely oversaturated. However, at the same time, we do still get a lot of new clients that call us that say that they cannot get, there's no capacity at the boarding clinics at the, or at the boarding facilities at the vet clinics. Um, and so they're, they're calling us also. Um, but I will say that since I've started my business here, along with um, networking with my friend Savannah, we have really tried to get out there in the community and kind of in that outreach and let people know who we are and what we do. And um, because there's just so many people that have no idea that we exist and that there are professional pet sitting businesses that come to your house. And so, um, yeah, it's it's really it's a, it's a good balance. Um, but yes, definitely lots of different pet care services available here. Have you heard of time to pet Dan from NYC pooch has this to say. 
Time to bet has been a total game changer for us. It helped us streamline many aspects of our operation from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, we actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature rich, and it's always improving. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional how, how do you feel and i mean is that the type of client that calls you and says the boarding facility is full right is that somebody that you are willing to take on or or do you say no that's not my kind of client well so for the most part if we are kind of a last resort for people then no we don't typically like to take on those types of clients i will say that does not happen very often usually if it does it's close to a holiday or spring break or the weekend. And so we kind of, when they call, you know, I can kind of gauge that right away. Um, or their hobby sitter fell through and, or their neighbor can't come anymore. So we get, we get all of that. Um, I will say that, um, we do have a, we, we struggle with college students that request our services only on holidays that they are going back home, such as spring break, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, and so we typically like to focus on clients that will use our services more throughout the year. Um, and with that being said, we also face the challenge where clients will request visits only when they come in town for the football games. <laughs> so we have a lot of clients that, um, or people that call us and they may own a townhome or an apartment here that they only come in town for the game. And so they'll reach out like, Hey, can you just drop in on my dog for those, those times? And it's just definitely not the kind of client that we would say we tailor to. Yeah. Man, as, as you're talking, Natalie, I'm getting all these flashbacks to our time when we were pet sitting at in Texas tech and in Lubbock of, of just exactly this, this variation, this fluctuation, these huge pulses and then nothing and then pulses and then nothing because it's driven by the the ebb and flow of the college and trying to figure out, trying to find that through line of how do I maintain, get stability and make those decisions? Do I, because one, one type of thought is, well, I'll just ride the wave up because I know there'll be a, you know, there'll be a crash on the way down. So I'll take all these one-off clients and a one-off, 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 one-off. Versus the, well, I'm, how do I build these longer lasting relationships with people? Right? How do I stay connected with people locally so that I have more of a, a baseline that I can build from? Definitely. And I would say that we have really formed some amazing relationships with our clients that live here in town and use us regularly, you know, um, throughout the year. We, so we have really cultivated those relationships um, with those clients and the people that really see our value and have wanted a professional pet sitting service from the beginning. Um, so with, with that being said, um, we, we just, we face those challenges of um, the people wanting the more one-off walks and visits because of the football games here and because of so many college students living here Um and so, yeah, I would say most of our clients are families and established um, professionals that live here in the town and have put, planted their roots here and have kids and they go to school here. And um, that has been our best um, way of um, receiving clients for sure. 
Yeah, and making that judgment call of going, okay, is this person calling me for this last minute one-off? Am I ever likely to to convert that person over to a more full-time relationship with them or a more consistent basis? But right, if they're if they're coming out of town and they only come out of town, you know, they come in from out of town for the several football games or whatever sporting event they're coming to or or homecoming, it's like, no, there's nothing I can do to convert that person to have me walk their dog five days a week when they live in, you know, the Carolinas or something. Exactly. So, so maybe I won't take that on. But this person who called me who can't go to the kennel because, you know, their dog has kennel cough or because they they're full. Well, there is a chance that I might be able to convert that person over to my services. So if I can, maybe that's somebody that I can take on. Yes. And and we definitely have been able to do that. And I mean, we use time to pet. And so we have, have on our website, a um, link that says book now with us. And so that will take you to our time to pet um, create an account page. And so they answer a few questions up front from us that really helps us to see what they're looking for. And, um, if, if they are looking to form a relationship, um, with us going forward. And so, um, that definitely has been very helpful. And I think that the more that we have been getting out there in the community and people have learning have learned about us, um, the more that they have realized um, our value and they actually will opt to go with us over any sort of boarding facilities. Do you ever have that reaction when you're out in the community at an event and somebody looks at you and then they look at you and they go, wait, what, what do you do? I had no idea this was a thing, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. We we have an event here every October. It's called Wienerspiel, and it's like winter <laughs> dog races. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's dachshund races and corgi races every year. And so there's booths and just lots of people around to watch the races. And it's such a great time. And so I, I every year I usually do that event. And um, yes, we'll get tons of people that walk by and they're just like, wow, like we had no idea that this was even a thing. Like we've hired a college student once, but we, you know, maybe we had a bad experience or they moved out of town, moved back home, moved, got a job and moved away. And we just need someone more reliable and established that can, you know, serve us throughout the year. And so we get a lot of clients that way for sure. So what do you typically, you say you go to that event and what, how do you approach that? Can it, how do you prepare for it or things that you bring to that event ready to share? I like to have a lot of, you know, little bag baggies of like dog treats, of course, on the table. I have a big banner that says who we are and what we do. Um, and then we also do a raffle for like a gift bag for a dog and then a gift bag for a cat. And then, um, you know, we have a bunch of brochures we that we hand out to people when we talk to them about our services. Um, so we have done a couple of those events. I will say that the best way that we have obtained clients has been through Google and then also um, our local Facebook groups. So I do, we do get a lot of people looking for pet sitters in our local community Facebook groups. And so I will kind of have a spiel that I, I copy and paste and I put in the comments with a picture of our banner. And I just say, you know, this is who we are. This is what we do. And um, so definitely online has been the best way for us to gain new clients. And then we do still get some word of mouth from our clients as well. Um, but the events are definitely just fun to kind of um, get out there and be a part of our, our community whenever we can. And so Wienerspiel is a great opportunity to do that every year. Okay, so you said that's in October because I think I need to make some some flight plans <laughs> to go see this. Yes, this sounds amazing. Every- 
It's such a great time and everyone looks forward to it. It's a big fundraiser for a nonprofit um, animal shelter. So. So, okay, well, that's, so you're, you're supporting a lot of different things there then by your presence of supporting the shelter and growing and being connected to that community. And I think that that's really where those events shine is, is not so much, oh, how many conversions did I get or how many new clients I get from this event, but just how much awareness, how connected am I? What kind of conversations did I have? What kind of education was I able to give to people as they came to my booth and, and really kind of changing the metrics on that? Because I I know for us, the first couple of events that we went to, like I was really like, oh, we're going to get so many clients from this. We're going to get so many calls and then like literal crickets from that. And I then yeah. I you know, threw up your hands. And you're like, no, no, events are ter- terrible. Why waste your time? <laughs> <laughs> but, but realizing it's about so much more than that, right? At the end of the day, having that that connection, that face to face, that presence, that physical presence, which is so hard for us in the service industry because we don't have a physical store people can go to. They can't come right. and and talk with us. So we can now br- bring ourselves to to the wider community. Right. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree. I mean, we have so many clients that um have learned about us, like I was saying, just from um you know, our other clients, and then they had had a, a maybe not so great experience um, with either a boarding place or with a um, hobby sitter or rover. And so they, um, they hear about us, and then they they kind of do some more research. And I mean, our website has everything about us, all of our services, our pricing, um, what, you know, what we bring um, value wise. And, and um, I just think that once people really do give us a shot and realize, you know, that this is our livelihood, this is our, take this very seriously, that um, they never go back to um, a different service. Yeah, I absolutely love your website, by the way. Um, it's, Thank it's, you. it's very, very, very well done. And I think you used, did you use marketing on that? I on, did. On okay. I did. Yes. Yeah. Erica is great with marketing. I recommend them for anyone um, looking for a, a pet business specific website. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. No, I just, I was, you know, I was, I was on it looking at it and I was like, oh, this is really good. I really like this. Website. Thank so, you. So, Thank you so job. much. Yeah, you're welcome. Now I, I can imagine too, cause you've been working on growing a team, right. In, in hiring and stuff. How, how has that been going for you? Yeah. So I started out solo for the first year of my business. So all of 2021. Um, and then in about March of 2022, I realized that I really needed help when I was beginning to say no to my clients um, and turning them away whenever there was just too much that I could handle. Because I mean, early on, I really determined what my capacity was. And so I really tried hard not to get burnt out because um, that has definitely happened to me. And so I just knew like this was something that I really needed to look into if I was wanting to grow. And um, so that's when I started looking into hiring. I started through Facebook groups and posting in those groups that I had mentioned earlier about my business and that I was hiring. Um, but unfortunately, I found that I wasn't getting the really the best types of applicants that I was looking for that way. Um, so then I started using Indeed, um, which has been really successful for me so far. Um, that along with also reaching out to our local animal shelters. And, um, we also have a wildlife center on A&M's campus, um, reaching out to those volunteers. I have gained an employee that way as well. Um, so those, that would definitely be my primary method of hiring, um, is indeed. 
And so um, that is where, where most of my people have come from. And what kind of uh, people do you feel like are, are applying to your job? Yeah. So I would say the vast majority of people that apply with us are college students that are looking for gaining more hands-on experience for either vet school or like a professional career with animals. Um, and so they find it just perfect for them because they can work while they are going to school and we can be flexible with their school schedule. Um, and it's fun and it's just a little bit of extra money on the side for them. And so, um, that I would say that that is majority of the people that apply to work with us. How, how do you navigate things like um, school breaks, right? If they're not, if it's a student that isn't local um, and still maintain your capacity to take care of clients over, over Christmas and Thanksgiving and that kind of thing. Yeah. So that is definitely a challenge that I have to face with hiring college students um, is they, understandably so they want to have some time with their family during the holidays and they may want to go back home because um, majority of the students here are not from this area. There are some, but majority are not. Um, so I do let everyone know upfront that I am going to, you know, have that expectation that they work with us through the holidays. Now, maybe we schedule them to where they do have a day or two off throughout that holiday, those dates, during the holidays so that they can have that time with family. And I think that hiring and having a team has really helped with that because everyone can kind of rotate and it's fair that way. Um, So with that being said, um, I haven't had any issues um, with employees working here with us during the holidays, as long as they do have ample time to see their families. And then if we do have those that apply and just are not available at all during the holidays, it's just very unlikely that we hire them. Yeah, it's, it is it is tough, isn't it? Of going, oh man, this person is here. They've got a flexible schedule. They can work the hours that I want to go. Oh, they can't be here over Thanksgiving and Christmas and going, yes, how do I, how do I work with that? How, what kind of conversations do I have? Or, or is that something that I can bring on? Because obviously you don't want to increase your capacity right before Thanksgiving because you add a couple extra staff members and then they all disappear and they can't take on the extra capacity for when you actually really need them during the holidays. One of the things that has also helped out with that is hiring seasonal employees. So I I have had um, an employee last year for Thanksgiving and Christmas break that will be returning with me this year that she is actually from Bryan. So her family lives in town and so she's able to work a lot throughout the holidays and she wants to. So um, Mm. that has been a great help as well. But I also understand that not everybody wants to hire just seasonal part-time employees that they, you know, won't have throughout the year. Um, But for me, that was what I needed to do when I first started hiring because I wasn't as strict about the holidays as I am now. Um, because now I make that very clear and, and upfront in my hiring processes that that is something that we have that expectation um, from you. Are you still doing the the seasonal um, hires, uh, or is that something that you don't do as much anymore? Not so much anymore. It's definitely going to be a thing of the past. Um, my one employee that's coming back this year is is the only seasonal um, hire that I'm having back. What kind of what kind of things did you learn from that experience, or or why is that something you no longer want to do? I really think it's important to 
have that employee retention kind of throughout the year. You know, I have always said to my employees that I'm very flexible with their school schedules as they change from semester to semester. Just, you know, let me know what your schedule is going to be like, and I will work around that. And you also other commitments if they have another job um, or other other um, commitments. I, I'm always very flexible with them as long as they are flexible with me and they um, have the intention of staying on with us, you know, as long as possible, whether that's until graduation or, you know, a year or two. Like we, we value um, retention a lot more than um, – maybe at the, at the beginning of when I first started hiring. What does that retention look like? Because when I think college towns, I think kind of high high turnover, high, a lot of people coming and going just for, by, the, by, by the very nature of what a college is meant to do, bring kids in, educate them, and then they leave and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I definitely try to focus on, um, as I'm hiring, I try to focus on applicants that um, – definitely know they're going to be in town for at least a couple more years. Um, I, I typically won't move forward with someone that may be graduating that same semester or even the next semester. So I kind of take that into account. Um, I also explained that, um, that this job is very important in the sense that the client's pets will get to know you as well. Um, and, you know, I would prefer not to have such a revolving door, you know, of employees and the turnover and all of that. Um, And so I think that with being so flexible with their schedules and the changes in their lives from semester to semester and summer to summer, that um, most of my employees have stayed on with me um, at least six months, but usually more like 10 or 11 at the least. Yeah. And I think that's where just as an employer, you go, what is my applicant pool expecting? And can I make that work for my business? And is that Mm -hmm. something I want to do? And the flexibility there sounds like that's one of the key things that you can provide them of the ability to basically say, whatever you, whatever, whatever availability you have or can give will work with that. And that means that you're kind of sticky to them because they know, well, there aren't very many other jobs out there that can do that kind of thing for me or who are willing to work around my schedule. So maybe it's worth, you know, sticking with these people for the long run. Right. And I'm very much still in the field myself. So, you know, if there's extra visits and and I need to pick up a little extra slack, like I will definitely do that. Um, It's just in our service area, specifically with it being a primarily college town, um, it's harder to find those that have a set schedule, um, you know, year to year or, you know, doesn't really change very often. Um, so that's kind of something that I have just had to learn to adapt to, um, on a semester by semester basis. Um, and then if I do need to fill the gaps, you know, I I will hire accordingly. So it just kind of depends there. A lot of first-time pet owners don't know how to react when their beloved pet is facing a bout of anxiety, noise sensitivity, or depression. However, various studies have shown that animals react very positively when calming music is played for them. As their trusted pet sitter, have your clients check out Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets on YouTube, where they can give their pet the best chance at relaxing while they're away. From peaceful melodies to soothing nature sounds, this YouTube channel is the go-to spot when your client's pet is anxious and you don't know where to turn. Complete with beautiful and vibrant animations, their videos will become your home for the tools needed to keep the pets in a state of peacefulness. 
perfect for that anxious pet overnight or just during the day while the client is out to work. The peaceful pet music, Calm Music for Pets on YouTube, will help ease the anxiousness of both the pet and the owner. Be sure to subscribe to Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets on YouTube, and hit the bell so you never miss a moment of calm. So with, with all the, the, the staff members that you have coming in and that flexibility that you have, how, how do you go about ensuring that, that, that high quality of work that you expect everybody to have? Yeah, so um, I do look to see if they have any previous animal experience, whether that be pet sitting or in a clinic setting or FFA, um, just anything like that so that I know um, – you know, that they really do love animals. That to me is the very first important step. Um, and then also just being very thorough with my training processes um, and my team communication. You know, we we utilize Slack for team communication um, and that has been really great for our business so far. Um, I also will host um, monthly staff meetings in person where we'll all eat together. We'll meet at a restaurant and um just, you know, catch up that way. And, um, also just making expectations clear in a respectful way with my staff and also always providing constructive criticism for them because, um, you know, I want this job to be enjoyable and fun for them and something that they like to do on the side while they're in school and doesn't add additional stress, you know, to them. And so, um, I think that just having, processes and also just being an advocate for your staff can really help um, maintain that quality and just consistency with the team. And that, man, those clear expectations, I've, I've heard it said before that to be to be clear is to be kind, right? And loving towards that person. And, and especially whenever you couple that with the constructive criticism, because it, it's telling somebody how to improve or that they need to improve is not a bad thing. It's not good, especially whenever we're going, hey, I saw this happen. I saw this photo. I saw this update. I Here's what I would suggest we do to, to kick that up a notch. Or have you tried doing X, Y, Z? Or this is what we need to see moving forward. Because that is clear expectations to them. And they know whether they're performing well or not. And that gives people peace of mind to know, oh, man, I'm really doing well. Or I'm not. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to try something else. And so when you have that kind of ongoing conversation, you're, you, you're building that relationship with that person. Uh, and and that's, that's so critical, especially whenever we're trying to have those high standards. We're trying to have that consistency between individuals. If we're not talking to them, none of that's going to take place. Oh, absolutely. And I completely agree. I mean, the I've told all of my employees that the last thing that I want to be in their eyes as someone they feel they can't talk to and like a scary boss and someone mm-hmm. that they just can't come to about if they make a mistake or something goes wrong. And yeah. cause I've been in those environments. And so I know how that's like. And I knew that as a manager, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to struggle with that. And um, so I think just, yeah, being an advocate um, for them, but also letting them know that, you know, if we do give them constructive criticism, it's never to break them down in any way. It's just to, okay, what, what happened here? How can we learn from it? How can we prevent the mistake again? And then just tell them something great about what they're doing as well and letting them know. I had a, 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 a held a position formerly where my boss came in and uh, wanted to talk to me about how rapidly I was responding to emails. And I was like, 
what do you mean? What is this weird? And they said, well, I, I noticed that you don't always spell words correctly. And, and when you do that, it, it's not a good reflection on you or what we do here. And so I wanted to come in and before this got worse or before you sent one wrong email to the one wrong person and before it blew up, that you just take a minute to breathe and 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 and, and look at what you're writing basically is what they said. So just look at the words <laughs> you're typing, Colin. I mean, and it was very like, oh, right, 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 right. It's very like what I think is just this trite little simple email that I'm shooting off. Like I'll just bang it out and we'll go. Uh, it's actually very important with how people perceive us. And now in oh. our own company, it's like how even more so of taking a few minutes to breathe, spell check my update before I send it to the client or response to that email about a sponsorship or whatever. Like those little things matter. And it's our job as the as the managers, as the coaches, basically to our staff to help see, go, hey, I want to I want to step in and before this becomes a problem, I just want to let you know that that here's how we can help correct that so we don't have to worry about that again. Well, Colin, too bad we didn't have chat GPT when you were back in that job. <laughs> <laughs> I you would have been fine. <laughs> I would have just that's all I would have done all day. I was like, oh, here's an email, sit write a prompt. Like it would have been amazing. <laughs> the spelling would have been perfect. Like you wouldn't have had to worry about anything. No, I know. And that's, you know, that's a big thing too that I work with our staff is I know as I teach try and teach and encourage a lot from my own deficiencies of, hey, I rush through things. I type things out really fast and hit send but and then i and then i do and then i look for grammar after it's already been sent like that's my superpower is once the emails or message has been sent then i look at it and i go oh look at all those spelling mistakes anyway right like so (laughs) going hey i struggle with this too let me help you with this and then because we also often struggle or uh, as when you bring on staff you go how do I help people? Like, where do I help them from? Well, we have our own, just pull from your own personal experiences, pull from where you've, how you've grown and identify areas in your staff. Cause I guarantee you, there's a lot of similarities there that you can actually speak to. Oh yeah. And anyone can be trained to do this job. I mean, it's as long as you, you know, you love pets and, and you love animals, you know, in some capacity, I mean, anyone can be trained. And so, um, you know, in the early stages of hiring last year, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have such a great process. And honestly, listening to your podcast on hiring has been just a complete godsend for me in that way um, of having that structure and um, training because um, that will just very um, like naturally inspire confidence in a team if you are hiring them or not, sorry, if you are training them. Um, in a very thorough, like step-by-step way. And then also giving them the, the reins to, you know, go out on their own and shadow them and see how they do. And then, you know, make criticism when needed. Um, but I mean, just, just having that constant communication is so important. Well, and those, those processes are, are, are invaluable. And I, and I love how you touched on the fact that it's not just training people and the skills and stuff necessary, but it's also communicating to them how serious you take it. Or how the company takes it, right? Of like, hey, before you come on board, here's seven hours of online training you're going to watch. And then, oh, by the way, at two months, there's a quiz you're going to take. Everybody rejoice. Like, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, it really sits. It's like, no, these are the standards. And it's okay to have high standards as long as you help people meet them through your onboarding training, encouragement, and coaching. Like, that's yes. that's really important to have both of those in line with each other. Yes, I completely agree. 
And I know another thing that is is really Im- Im- important uh, through this process of when you bring on staff is is having your 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 company values, your company morals, these guiding principles. You know how how are you helping your staff members connect with those? Yeah. So um, from the very beginning, you know, I let them know. Um, that we are professionals and that I'm going to train them as such. And so um, also we are huge on our reliability to our clients. Um, Having peace of mind is the one thing that's like my um, kind of my statement that I make um, is that I'm just huge on peace of mind for our clients and just having them be worry free while they're out of town. And so um, I think that, you know, letting them know that we will be there no matter what. Um, we'll always have a backup. Um, we will um, have a highly trained staff that is there to care for their pets, I think, um, really helps um, those values. Um, and also just being as detailed as possible as we can when it comes to their pets instructions and um, what they need, their particular needs. And so also, I think that letting the client be heard, um, is very important as well. Um, and so, um, they will, you know, tell us in detail about what they may need, what their pets may need, and just, you know, them feeling that they're being listened to and, and that we are following those directions correctly, I think, um, also helps with that. Um, all of my employees also um, have been trained to administer medications. Um, some of them have been vet techs as well, um, which helps. And we do um, care for senior and like end of life pets as well. Um, and so I think that all of that, um, along with um, our our communication with the, our, within ourselves on Slack and our staff meetings has really helped um, kind of our company morals and um, that value as well. Because then it stops being just you, you know, pounding at the pulpit or pounding the gavel, trying to get people to hear and listen. They start seeing other employees living, acting, talking about those same things. And there's definitely this, this reinforcement process of, okay, I'm going to make sure I tell everybody and I'm always going to tell everybody, but when they start seeing other people living and acting and working it out in their day-to-day do, during the dog walk, during the pet sit, it's incredibly powerful. And and I don't know about you, but like, it's also very satisfying to be like, oh, oh, they're, they, they got it. Like, that's so encouraging. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, and then also just um, the fact that we are insured and bonded and licensed and all of my staff are as well. And yeah. they, we all do pet care team training, um, or fetch find. I, I kind of go between the two sure. as well, um, is extremely helpful as well. Um, but it's just really the things that set us apart from the rest is what, um, is important to me. It is, it is. And it's finding those, finding those to them and allowing, allowing the staff members to really, to see that, right? And I know it can be a lot of pressure to go, well, if this is the standard, it's like, I've got to lead by example, right? I've got to lead by when the staff reach out to me and they say, Hey, I found this problem. Should I, should I tell the client? It's like, Oh, like I'm personally embarrassed by this, but like, no, we need to tell them, right? We need to own up to this. It could be very easy to just say, oh, no, don't don't worry about telling them this time. Don't worry about telling them. That's teaching them, oh, okay, well, you said transparency and communication was a big deal, but 
it's actually not to you. And so going, no, I, I teach by how I, how I live these and how I act them out in, in what I do as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely very important to be honest and be okay with making mistakes and knowing that you can, and that it's going to be okay. And you're going to learn from it. And, um, it's, it's something, you know, that, you know, happens and everybody makes mistakes. And so, um, just being honest and truthful and, um, you know, to the best of your ability is just, you know, what is required in this kind of industry. Have you had to go to your staff or your to your team and, and apologize for an error on, on your own part and, and and bring that to them? Oh, yeah. So I do consistently remind them that I'm also human and I make mistakes, even as the business owner. Um, <laughs> there was actually a recent um, situation where um, we were doing five visits a day for a client that was recently diagnosed with kidney failure. And so he was on a five meal a day regimen that had medications mixed in. And so it was very important to give him those medications every two to three hours. Um, And then there was a late night visit scheduled from nine to nine to ten PM. And we actually normally don't schedule visits that late at night just for safety and things like that. Um, and so what had happened was um I had scheduled that visit to myself, the later night visit, and um I had had no other visits throughout the day other than that one. And um unfortunately I had just forgotten about it. Um, and so the client had messaged us about, um, one or two in the morning, letting us know, like, she didn't see anybody come by, is everything okay? And so, um, thankfully, you know, I was able to see that and, um, head over there and take care of them early in the morning. Um, but I did have to come to my staff and let them know because they had seen the message on time to pet that that had happened. And I told them, you know, everything's fine with Flynn. He's all good. Like he, it's okay that he didn't get that medication. It was more of a supplement at that point of the day. So it was all good. Um, but I had to let them know that I had made a mistake and, um, I still do. And it's okay that you do as well, as long as you come to me about it and you're honest and we work through it together and, um, just learn from it because now I have definitely put systems in place where that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's it's the it's the learn from it, right? And it's the bringing that stuff to them of if we really want an open door policy, that means it's both ways. It's I don't just sit here and hide my mistakes and my errors or my, you know, when we sit down and do scheduling and or, you know, route planning and we just totally biff it on drive times and, and you know, and it's like, oh gosh, like uh yeah, that was our bad. Like that's we messed up. We we were looking at the wrong thing. I'm really sorry about that. We'll make we'll get that corrected. Like that's Whatever it is, it's it's it, we don't have to be perfect and all knowing, right? And that's that's actually really dangerous um, for 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 us. And, and for me, it was just something simple as it being out of my normal routine and something that we weren't used to doing. We weren't used to doing those later night visits, and you know, due to his condition, you know, I had told the client, you know, we will do that going forward, um, having that later night visit. And so, um, thankfully they've been a client for a long time and everything was, was just fine. And she completely understood. Um, and the dog was fine, but it, it's very important to have that transparency with the team. Um, and just letting them know that you're, you're one of them. I mean, you're a manager, you're their boss. Yes. And you have to have that role. Um, but you're also one of them. And just, I feel that that naturally just helps them feel that they can come to you and talk to you and, um, without being afraid and without holding back. 
I know you mentioned kind of you listed out some of the values and, and morals that your company has. Um, how how did you find those come come about those and and what advice would you give to people who maybe don't have those outlined for themselves? Well, I definitely think first and foremost, it's important to put yourself in the shoes of a client and what you would be looking for in a professional pet business. Um, and so I think that by doing that, you can really start to, you know, think about what you want your company's morals and values to be, um, and, um, upholding those and those standards. Um, because, you know, if you do want to, you know, advertise yourself with all these credentials, all these certifications, um, you, all these awards, you know, you, if you want to get to that point, um, you, you really have to start with that foundation and just how you advertise yourself and how you um, just look to a a prospective client um, that could be interested in your services. And so, um, and then just sticking to them by just, um, you know, consistently reminding yourself if you're solo, consistently reminding your team, you know, what your values are and what the, you know, the expectations are and the standards that you bring to the table and what clients have come to like know you for, um, in your value, I think is, um, really important in, in sticking to those. Natalie, I, I really want to thank you for, for your time today. I know you've got a lot going on, so it just means a lot for you to carve out this time to talk with us and share your story and encourage us to, to stay customer focused and encourage us to, to work with that, that, uh, that applicant pool to stay flexible and to meet the needs and so that we can um, be serving our community to the best that we can with our community to the best that we can. Um, I know that there's a lot going on um, that you do a lot of cool stuff and you're always posting really fun photos and things like that. So um, how can people best get connected and follow along with all of your work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Colin, for having me on the podcast. I've been listening since the beginning. So uh, it was really cool to finally come on myself and, uh, you know, tell you all a little bit more about us and our service area and what we do. So um For those that want to get in touch, we do have Facebook and Instagram under Aggieland Pet Sitting, um, or they can also send me a message to my personal Facebook page, which is just Natalie Spedden. I'm in a bunch of the pet sitting Facebook groups. You could probably find me on there. I'm also in Sitter Confessionals. Um, People can also email me at AggielandPetSitting at gmail.com with any questions, Um, whether they are or are not in a college town kind of service area, they can definitely reach out to me with any questions just relating to hiring or just uh, employee morale, you know, company morale. I I would, I really love talking about that um, and just employee retention. So I know when I got started, I reached out to a lot of people and listened to a lot of resources and um, I just, everyone was so helpful for me and I just want to do that for others as well. Well, wonderful. Yeah, I'll have all those links in the show notes uh, and on the website so people can get connected. And Natalie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, really, seriously, it's been great um, following along with everything that you've been doing as you grow and, and continue to, to to push what's possible uh, and, and make it more more known in Brian College Station. So, so it's fantastic. Thank you so much, Colin, for having me. At the end of the day, people expect our reliability. Peace of mind is central to all that we do as a company. So given the unique challenges that you're facing as your business, how are you going to keep the reliability and the peace of mind central? Keep that first and foremost in everything that you do. 
Challenges will come and go. They'll change from year to year, but people will continue to expect our reliability and their peace of mind must be central to everything. When we keep that in focus, it helps shape how we tackle the problems and how we continue to push forward. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet, and the Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets YouTube channel. Make sure and check those links out in the show notes. And we really want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. (laughs) 